This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Along with Jay Peasy and, yes, Jake the Snake makes an appearance. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Gordon Damer on vacation. So it is just you and I until midnight, and I got to tell you, I am not trying to act like a Ranger fan because I'm not. But I will share in the Ranger fans' frustration in watching that game against Carolina. By the way, fabulous job by Kenny Albert and uh, my guy, uh, Dave Maloney, who was so good. And down on the pregame, doesn't get any better. But nevertheless, and of course, Ray Santiago keeping everything together with one eye open because he's got to come back and work with Rothenberg and DiPietro in the morning. I don't know how he does it. I digress. The frustration of watching the Rangers not be able to get out of their own end. Carolina just staying in there and staying, and the Rangers not able to move. It is, it is amazing how different the style of play is when Carolina is home and Carolina's on the road. It is, it's, it's unbelievable how different it is. It's, it's not even like two different teams. <laughs> it's like a totally different organization. I, I, it is just amazing. It's amazing to see how well, and they play keep away. You talk about keep away. Carolina plays keep away better than anybody I've seen. And they just keep it in there. They just keep it in your end and keep it in your end. And you are just trying whatever you can. And so you don't really, they don't give you a chance to breathe so that you can set up something unless it's on the power play, which the Rangers score tonight. And with the Rangers' luck, Carolina finally got on the board in the series on the power play. This was a this was as frustrating a game as you can have. I mean, you could just see the, the they, they had no room to pass the puck. There was no room. They just held it in their own. And then when the Rangers finally got it in their end, it's like they, they just couldn't organize anything. I mean, it, it's 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 so frustrating to watch and playing. You're the Rangers. I mean, gosh, how 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 could you? You're just banging your head against the wall. Like, how can we get something going here? And then, unfortunately, you have that goal taken away on the offsides after the challenge was proved correct by Carolina. So, all in all, and then you get you know the the, the late goal, uh, you know, three to one, and then now you've got the two. And when the, and it took them, it was crazy. It seemed like it took five minutes for Carolina, for the Rangers to get the puck out of their end so Shesterkin could get off the ice to get the empty net. It seemed like it took forever. It took forever for that to happen. I It was as frustrating as you, That's all I could keep saying. It's frustrating. Over and over. You kept waiting. Is this going to be the play where they get? Nope. Nope. Carolina stole it. They're back. They're going back in the range end. Nope. The puck's getting up. Nope. Nope. Carolina's got the puck again. They're going back in the ranger end. Oh, it was a tough one. Ranger fans, what do you think? How are you feeling about game six Saturday in the game that you hear right here on 9870 ESPN? 1-800-919-3776. Give me your thoughts. I gave you mine. How confident are you that the Rangers can just keep what this series is? Everybody wins at home. That's the way the series has been. If you're a Ranger fan, that's the way you want it again. And... 
I'm just saying you, whether it's the last line change, whatever it is, the Rangers have just been in this series so much better at the garden. So you can just expect that they will continue to do well and hopefully be good at the garden again on Saturday. 1-800-919-3776. Let's talk Yankees. I, I'm, I'm not going to act like this is like I'm a newcomer here. But I have really, and I've talked about him over and over and over and over and over again. And I, I am not apologetically, but I've been impressed and I really like what I've seen from Nestor Cortez. And I liked what I've seen from him, not just recently. I liked what I've seen from him even since last season. And he's been a guy that has really just, he's a guy that pitches, right? He's not blessed with the 100 mile an hour fastball. He's not in there. He's not going to blow you away 199. That's not his game. His game is location, location, location. He is a pitcher. He is a crafty lefty. He is a guy who is just off, changes speeds, changes arm angles, sometimes goes sidearm, just keeps you off balance. You can't get a read on him. And he just, he just bows people away. <laughs> That's all he does. He just keeps it simple, does a very nice job. And again, Nestor Cortez with the win tonight. Eight innings, one batter in the ninth, one earned run, five strikeouts, one walk. Yankees beat the Rays 7-2. Now, several things to take away here. I have not, this is the first time I've seen the Rays. This does not look like, and once again, it's only one game that I've seen. And you can weigh in, tell me what you think. This does not look like the Rays teams that I've seen the Yankees struggle with the past couple seasons. They don't look crisp defensively. And once again, this is only the first time I've seen them. So this is my first impression. They don't look crisp defensively. And they don't look like the team that has extended at bats the way they've done previously. Now, we are in the we are at the end of May with Memorial Day being Monday. And this is the first time the Yankees have played the Rays. And it seems like they play the Orioles every other week. Was it 13 games I think I I, I heard uh, I was reading somewhere where the Yank, Yankees and Orioles have played 13 games already. 13 they play them 19 times. <laughs> so I've seen them 13 times already. Okay. And it's the first time I'm seeing the Rays and it's a little weird, but uh, listen, the Yankees, even with all the injuries, continue to find ways to win. Now I, I must admit, I was chuckling a little bit. I kept hearing a number of callers in my head as I was peeking in and watching Joy Gallo strike out and strike out and strike out. But nevertheless, Aaron Judge continues to do well. Not a home run tonight, but sacrifice fly. You know, just adding on getting the runs in. His salary, his price tag keeps going up and up. I keep telling Gordon, get the money ready. Back up the truck. 
He's going to be he, he's going to want his money and he will have earned it. And for him and really if you're a Yankee fan, you love that. You love that he's betting on himself. You love that he's saying, "Oh, okay, I'll show you how much I'm worth." You love that. Because that means he's going to have an unbelievable season. And right now he's he's an MVP candidate. Just like you know, Mr. Alonso is an MVP candidate for the Mets. But the Yankees are playing well. And this is the tr- and the other thing about Cortez, right? He takes you into the ninth inning when you're short in your bullpen. You're trying to find, okay, how are we going to match up? Holmes can't go today. I mean, he could, if he gives you a bad outing, he could screw up the weekend for you against Tampa. The weekend. So the fact that he was able to get into the ninth inning, very impressive. And, of course, the fact that the Yankees put some runs on the board also helped to give, uh, you know, Aaron Boone, to give him a little bit more leeway. Especially those three runs in the ninth inning with uh, Anthony Rizzo with a big hit in that one. All right, let's talk to you on the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardest the ESPN, at ESPNNY, 98 underscore 7 FM. Robbie is in Massachusetts, and I know Robbie is not a happy man right now. Well, he's partially happy. Let's see what he's got to say. Hey, Robbie, what's up? Well, hey, Larry, you know, first of all, on the positive side, the Yankees do continue to defy the odds with all the injuries and continue to win. That's a sign of a good team. And, uh, hey, you know what? We got some guys on this team that are leaders now, so I'm happy they won. Of course, my friend ruined it for me by telling me they won as I was watching the Ranger game recording the Yankee game on MLB, but it's all right, whatever. I'll go watch the highlights. Larry, I have to tell you something. I'm still waiting for one of the Rangers to hit, to hit somebody tonight. I don't understand the Jekyll and Hyde type of play that the Rangers have played in this series. In in game number four, they were physical. They played in the neutral zone. They back-checked. They forechecked. They got pucks deep on the Carolina defense. And from the minute of this game that started, all the Rangers did for 60 minutes was chase Carolina, backing up and backing up and backing up. It was ridiculous to watch. It was The effort just wasn't there. And, and I'll tell you something about Terry Panarin. He might be a great regular season player with 96 points, but he's one of the most frustrating players to watch on this team. He doesn't shoot. He dances around and dances around and dances around, and he does not play defense. You know, he ought to watch tapes of Theron Fleury, a guy who was about his size but played like he was six foot five. And there's no physical presence at all. I mean, he's a small guy. I understand he's a finesse player, Larry. Mm-hmm. But I'll just get your comments. Why, why the Jekyll and Hyde? approach the hockey. I mean, where was the effort tonight, Larry? I don't care if they lose. Could you show some more effort? I believe, honestly, if you don't hit in hockey, you don't win. They didn't check the side. They couldn't hit the side of a bar in this game. Anyway, I mean, I just don't understand why they don't show up. So anyway, get your thoughts. But yeah, the Yankees, hey, they're still rolling, you know. And by the way, about your Mets, you know, I I hear Mets fans are so ridiculous lately, Larry. It's like... They're just so pessimistic. I know that's the, the you know the philosophy or the you know, the way the Mets fans think, but they should just enjoy, it, man. This team is showing a lot so far. They really have, and uh, who knows, man? We'll be getting, maybe we'll get a Subway Series. But you know what, Larry? They'll win in Game Six at home. They'll they'll make adjustments. Coach Galan will make adjustments, but mm-hmm. I guarantee you, man, they'll go down to Game Seven. You can't play the same way you played tonight. All right, thanks, yeah. Fire, for the time. Appreciate it. Hey, Robbie. All right. 
All right, thanks for the phone call. A couple things. Um, let me let me end with well, let me talk about the meth man first. Robbie, it's because um, we're not used to this success. <laughs> we're not used to it. We're 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 waiting for the other shoe to fall. It's because we've been burned. We haven't learned to just take it game by game, and that's what you have to do. It's a long season. You get it. Uh, we still have the Braves in the back of our minds as Met fans, but nevertheless, you are absolutely right. At this point, it's about watching a team that has given you unbelievable games already this season. Like the comeback against Philadelphia, the head Joe Girardi said this was the most excruciating loss he's ever had. And this is a man that's gone to the World Series. This is a man who's, who's lost games in the postseason. Like when you lose, you go home. Like it's done. Season's over. Okay? And he said that comeback that the Mets gave the Phillies was the most excruciating loss he ever had. The game... This a couple of days ago against the Giants, where even though they lo- they lost, man, the fact that they scored seven runs in an inning, have the lead in extra innings only to come back to lose, but just that excitement. And even yesterday, even though it was nine nothing, I mean, listen, Robbie, as a Met fan, you couldn't turn that game off. Eventually, you had you probably did, but you're wondering, like, listen, could they do it again? Could they score like six, seven runs and make this a close game? Is that out of the realm of possibility? No, not at all. It turned out it was. It didn't happen. But, you know, so these are things that it, it we're, the Met fan is like, you know, wait, let's wait and see. Show me. Uh, you still got to show me what's up. Still got to show me what's happening. And so that's where, that's where I think it is. And the injuries have kind of. You know, got that, oh, here we go, just waiting for something to go wrong. But the bottom line here is the team is finding a ways to win. And, yes, they've got Philadelphia and the Nationals this weekend, okay, at home. But then it's that road trip. And, and that's where, that's where, as a Met fan, you're, you're looking with your eyebrow raised. We got Dodgers and Padres and halos and the brewers. So we're going to, and we don't have our guys yet. We don't have Scherzer. We don't have this. We don't have that. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, but th- that's what it is. Th- that's why we're so pessimistic, Robbie. It's very simple. That's the reason to get back on your range of point. I just think there's just, a, there's just been a lack of confidence with them against this Carolina team. The Carolina team is just a different... You talk about the Rangers being a different team. I mean, come on, Robbie. Carolina's a different team at home, too. And like I said, I don't know whether it's their being able to match that last line change or whatever it is, okay? But they just set it up where whatever you do as a Ranger, you just look like you're inept. (laughs) You just look like you're not playing hard. You look like you can't pass the puck. You look like you just look like you can't shoot. You can't play. You just look like, you know, you just look awful. Having said that, you haven't been blown out in any. You've been in every one of these games. On the road, you've been in every. It's not like you've been blown out. This is the closest one to a blowout you've had, and you're down 3-1. You lose 3-1. So I agree with you. I think the Rangers bounce back at home. They'll be they'll be a bit more aggressive. They'll have to. They've got to play. Here's the thing you know about them. 
they will play with the sense of urgency that the situation deserves. Because if they lose, they're going home. I mean, home, home, golf, you know, other stuff. Not, not home at the garden, home, home. Like we're done playing hockey for this season. So I expect that they will have an unbelievable effort and they will come out and put Carolina on their heels. I expect that that's what they'll do. I really do. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, listen, this is shaping up, and it's early, but this is shaping up to be like the Yankee teams of a couple years ago where they had all those injuries, but they were still able to find ways to keep winning. How about Miguel and Duhar playing left field tonight and getting a couple of hits and an RBI? I mean, that's that's what this team has done in the past when they've been really good. It's been because of their depth and it's been because of their bench. And that's what they're going to have to rely on until folks get back, like LeMahieu and Stanton. And Judge right now is carrying this team as he can, as he has, as he can do, very simply. The good thing for them has been their pitching, their starting pitching continues to be very good. And even though they've got some hits to their bullpen and it's going to take a challenge to see how the, the bullpen can, you know, stay in this, stay, keep, keep them alive. The bottom line here is if the offense continues to score, the, the pitching, the starters have to continue to try to give them length. That's what they have to do. There is optimism within the organization that DeGrom is going to come back and have an impact. Whenever he does come back, it'll basically be a calendar year since the last time he pitched in the big leagues. But from what I understand, he's been increasing his velocity in the throwing that he's doing. He's lengthening out the distance that he's throwing from. So he's building, and they feel good about that. And with Max, I'm sure that they're going to tell him, make sure you take your time. And Max knows his body well, and he'll be able to do that. Uh, and, I, and I think when we get to early July, mid-July, we know this. Steve Cohn is going to ask Billy Epler, look, what do you need? And if they need a starting pitcher, they'll do it. What a refreshing change to hear. It's ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN. That was Buster only. He was on with DePetro and Rothenberg talking about when DeGrom and Scherzer will be back. And you guys know how I feel about DeGrom. When he's back, he's back. Lengthening, the velocity increasing, great. Great. All good news. Great. Call me when he's ready to step on the mound. Because that has been the issue, right? It's been the issue either after throwing uh, after being pulled from a start, getting close to starting, setback here, setback there. So I'm, I'm just, just when he's, when he's ready to go. And once again, the Mets are playing well. There's no rush to push him back either. If, if I can get Degrom and Scherzer ready late August. Going into the final quarter of the season, September, I'm good. I'm good. That's what I need. And Buster's right. If the Mets need to tighten up their bullpen, which I think they will, or get another starter, 
he will give Billy Apple the resources to get it done. And that's the biggest difference in dealing with this regime, right? That's the biggest difference. That's what you love. If you're a Met fan, that's what's that's what makes you happy is the fact that you are in contention. You know that this regime is thinking that everything that has to be done to put this team in position to win a World Series, there's no cost, there's no stone to be left unturned. I almost said there's no cost too much. But I'm sure there is a limit. But it's you have more of a leeway with Cohen and company than you have with Wilpon and company. And so that just gives you a whole different outlook, a whole different confidence on what you can expect and how you think your Mets are going to do this year. But for me, it's very clear. DeGrom, when he's ready, because when he comes back, I don't want to worry about him Say, oh, here we go. He's going to miss another start. Up, oh, he had a relapse. Up, oh, it's back again. Whatever it is. And I'm still not sure what it is. Because it seems like it's something different every time. I'm still not sure. But nevertheless, it's good to know. It's good to hear that he's improving. Great. Keep up the great work. But for both of them, I'm in no rush to get either one of them back. When they come, come back when you're ready. I'm good. I'm good. Last thing I need is for them to come back and be hurt again, and then they're out for longer. They're out for longer. Not what you want to see. Not what you want to see. McGill has done night. McGill has been good. Now he's on the injured list, I know. I mean, Peterson has done some nice things. But all I need them to do is tread water. It's all I need the Mets to do right now until you get these guys back. And this, after these, this weekend set, this home series with Philly, and with Washington, when they go on the road, this West Coast trip, it's going to tell me a lot about this club. The other positive thing about this club is Lindor's hitting again. That's good. It's 9 for 40. Then of late, he's just turned it around. And um, he's, he's earning his money a little bit. <laughs> Defensively, he's always good. Love his glove. Love what he brings to the table. Offensively, the way he's been of late, you love it. You like what you see. You like what you see. 1-800-919-3776. Mike from Queens is next on 987 ESPN. What's up, Mike? I know it's been a while. I know it's been a while since we last spoke. I know you're like, oh, God, he's back. I, I, it's only one show. But uh, the Mets, uh, if, when it comes to making the playoffs, making the NL championship series, they probably could have, have enough. But if they're going to win the win everything, win the World Series, 
they they need more pitching because Carrasco, Walker, do you trust them all year? The playoffs, I saw as hell don't. The uh, Grom, Sergio, do they come back? The Grom, he comes back, he goes down again, comes back, goes out again. You can't trust him. We got a long way to October. And the only man who I trust is Bassett, who could be healthy all year and perform in the playoffs. So if they're going to go win it all, they need at least another start of the bullpen. I, I, I don't know why they let Luke walk them. Cohen prints money like it's God darn water. You can't give Luke what? How much money did Luke get? I mean, you can't pay him the money. Uh, the bullpen, he was a big piece last year. He's gone. But if they're going to, the defense, I think, is okay. The offense, I think, is okay. But if they're going to win the whole thing, another starter, another bullpen guy. And they, it's me, it's them, the Dodgers. I hate to say it, the Don Yankees. But that, to me, are the best three teams, Bill and Houston. But they are Mets, without a doubt, a starter, a bullpen. Prospects, I, I, I don't know what they have, so I don't, I, I don't know what they could get. But uh, they need more starting pitching. I, I Walker Crasco all year and in October, not, not enough for me. The Groms are like I said, health issues. Only man who I trust all year long is Bassett. That's not enough. They got to mm-hmm. get more pitching at, at the deadline. Well, I hear you, Mike. Thanks for the phone call. Good hearing from you. I will say this. Um, I don't disagree with you. I just think that how often are, I hope that you don't see Carrasco in the postseason. I hope that you don't see <laughs> a Walker in the postseason. I hope. Do I trust them? I, I got to say, Carrasco is building my trust. I mean, he's pitched well. He, he's pitched better than I thought he would. And with the way the series, with the way the postseason stretches out, my guy, you can get away with it. I mean, look what the Yankees did in, in 09. They got away with three starters. <laughs> That's all they did. Kept trotting the same three out there. Okay? And they were able to win the championship. So it's the way that it stretches out. Um, and that is just, it is so amazing. You know, you talk about that, you think you, you, can, you can even get, a bullpen game. You imagine having a, a bullpen game in the postseason? Teams have done it. It's happened. It's happened, it's happened all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. They do need some help in the bullpen. I, I would like a little more bullpen depth because I, it's, it's just such it's just so different in the postseason. It just is. The postseason, you play matchup baseball a little more than you do in the regular season. Because you understand the moment. You understand what you have to do. You understand that it's not always long ball action. You got to scratch and claw and find ways to get runs in in key opportunities. Because if you don't, um, you know, you're going home. <laughs> very simply. Very, very simply. But you know, defensively, right now, I'm good. All I want the Mets to do is keep winning, keep winning series. I am a very, my, my, my goals, my satisfaction for my teams are very easy with the Mets. Very easy. Just keep winning series. Don't lose series. Keep winning series. I know you're going to eventually lose one here and there, but try not to. Just keep winning series. Keep winning. They do that, you'll be okay. And they're doing better on the road than at home, which is also a plus.
surprised by the plus. Gordon Damon's on vacation. Larry Harsley flying solo. 1-800-919-3776. So in the first hour, we talked a little bit about the, the Rangers' loss. We also talked about uh, Nestor Cortez continuing to be outstanding and the Yankees continue to roll. We talked a little Mets. We'll continue those conversations at the bottom of the hour. We'll take you to Tampa. And you'll hear from Aaron Boone. You also heard from Aaron Boone on the Michael K Show. We'll share that with you in case you missed some of that. That was an interesting exchange. Um, so we'll share that with you. And uh, we'll continue the conversations with you here at 1-800-919-3776. Let's head back to the phones. Dave is in Comac. Hey, Dave, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, what a great night that is watching the Rangers lose. Uh, there's nothing like a Rangers loss to get your day going or your night going. Beautiful thing. If you're an Islander fan, you are really happy right now. Uh, yeah, because you're not in it, huh? So, so you get you get a chance to just delve in the Ranger fans' misery a little bit. We right? have to basically we have to basically uh, <laughs> delve in the, in the in Ranger fans' misery because you see every time the Rangers win, they really stick it to the Islander fans, <laughs> and and because the Islanders made it to and the vice versa, years, Dave. And What's vice that? versa, and vice versa, Dave. Well, yes, I have to admit that, but it's more or less <laughs> it's more the rate of the Ranger fans twisting it, twisting it in, into the island of fans, so to speak. Right, I'm being polite about it because I don't want to say anything that's. Uh, that's I appreciate that, Dave. Fans. I really right? do, especially you know what's going on in the news and everything else. Yeah, I we, hear so you. we don't we don't want to say anything that that causes nonsense. That would be uh, good, but, Dave. Thanks so, for the phone call, my friend. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Sam is in Rockland. What's up, Sam? You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Regarding the Yankees and, like, the trade down the line, you know, in mm-hmm. the past they had Sanchez, they had Andujar, and they had Torres at their peak, and they failed to get Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander or other big-time players who were available at that time, even a big bat, when they were trying to go for a big World Series run in early, you know, two, couple five years ago, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, regarding Juan Soto, if you empty out, you know, Volpe, Rodriguez, uh, Dominguez, and throw in one more small guy, I mean, that should be enough for the Washington Nationals. And, you know, given the fact that that takes big-time personalities, big-time playoff, you know, performers, why not just do it? We don't know what the next three years holds for the Yankees. They're at their peak right now. I would say just go for it. Where are you playing Soto? So you play, uh, you know, there's a DH spot open. Play him in DH. What, what's, you're not putting Giancarlo there? Giancarlo I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know he yeah. plays the field, but I bet you one thing, after this injury, I bet you he doesn't play the field as much as he has. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can play Soto. At, he plays what? What does he play right now? He, he plays first a little bit, right? He plays where? Where, where would can, you play him? He, he can platoon anywhere else. You know, well, I mean, but I mean, that's Juan Soto. You put a guy like that, you're not platooning him. You're playing him. You're playing him every day. What are you doing? You getting rid of Gallo? Where's Gallo playing? Where's Hicks playing? I mean, well, I, I understand you want to have Judge. You could put Judge in center, but I mean, where you can eat? It's, it's crowded. Contract, it's crowded. Take Hicks's contract, eat it, forty-five million. <laughs> give it to the Nationals. That's what I'm saying. All right, Sam. Thanks for the phone call. I, I don't. If I'm the Nationals, I don't know that I want Aaron Hicks. I mean, that's one of the reasons you're trying to get rid of him is because he's struggling right now. And he has an availability issue. So, yeah, that, that's an issue right there. 
And I just and, and you I mean and what does that say to Aaron Judge? You bring Juan Soto in here. You gotta pay you gotta pay him eventually. You gotta pay him. Bruce is in flushing. Hey Bruce, you're next on ninety eight seven. Hey Larry. Um you know at some point during this year, Matt Carpenter is gonna win a game for the Yankees mm-hmm. with with a home run into the porch. I mean you just know that, don't you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I can see it. I can see yeah. it. I know. I'll tell you a great story. Do you remember the 78 race at all? Uh, a little bit. Okay. In 78, Yankees put in a, a waiver claim for an accomplished hitter. The hitter went one for 40. His one only hit was a grand slam to dead center in Fenway Park. His name was Alex Johnson. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's not a waiver claim, but, you know, you know this guy's going to hit. Plus the fact, this is old home week for the Yankees. Manny Benuelos is back. <laughs> I know. Sean Green is back. Yeah. Well, you know, Mickey's you know, um, uh, back. Yeah. Everybody's uh, back. This is it. This is – and, and, and I yeah. guess, Bruce, this for you as a Yankee fan, this is – this is what they do when they're when they're really on top of their game. It's trying to add depth to that bench because it oh, makes yeah. a difference. This is what makes them successful. But I wonder if one of the reasons be, be, besides the rash of injuries is they brought in Carpenter because he's insurance. If they want to make a trade for an outfielder, do you trade a Torres? Do you trade um, um, the third baseman? Um, I know he's making a big contract, but after the recent thing. Oh, Donaldson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Donaldson. The recent thing with Jackie Robinson. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I thought it was very loud that um, Aaron Judge didn't defend him and, in fact, kind of chided him. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the back of Cashman's head, He's thinking, okay, I know he's making a lot of money, but a team like the Padres with, with their injuries problem, you know, Tatis is out into uh, the all-star break, and Tatis is always breaking down. Maybe Carpenter is insurance for an infield position so you can make a trade for an outfielder. You might be right, Bruce. You might be right because, uh, you know, Kay made an interesting comment uh, saying that that's the one thing the Yankees did not need would be some, you know, some disgruntledness, uh, for lack of a better phrase, in their clubhouse because of what Donald, you know, what Donaldson had to say in that scenario. So, um, and thanks for the phone call, Bruce. So, you know, you might be onto something there. And, but on the surface, this is what Cashman does. Listen, I know Yankee fans don't like him. I know Yankee fans are sick of him. I know Yankee fans wish he would disappear. I know Yankee fans. Just don't like what he brings to the table. I get it because you have not had the, you know, parade to the World Series that you normally are used to. Nor have you even gotten to the conference champion, the the, the AC, you know, the championship series, the championship game. You haven't gotten it. I get it. I understand. I haven't got to the World Series. I haven't got to the conference championships. I got it. But nevertheless, when he is at his best, he is adding and sprinkling depth onto the team so that it allows him to do some things down the line if he feels he has to. That's when he's at his best. 
And so, once again, he sees what's going on with the bullpen. Hey, let's see what Benuelos can do for me. He sees what's going on with the infield and all the infield issues and whatnot. Hey, let's see what this kid, this, let's see what Carpenter can do. So, this is when he does things. And we'll see how these moves turn out. But once again, when you when you know when the Yankees are at their best, it's depth, it's the benches just keep folks coming in and coming in and coming in. Who would be who would be starters or getting more playing time on other teams? But just getting a couple of minutes sitting on the bench waiting for their opportunity. And they're ready. And listen, in this area of uh sabermetrics, when everybody gets Time off. I mean, give me a break. (laughs) They definitely will be, they definitely will be used. There's no question about that. Western Conference Finals. And I just watched Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Clay Thompson get his shot blocked, misses a shot, goes out and hits a three. Steph Curry misses a shot, gets the ball back, and hits a three. I, they miss the twos and get the, and hit threes. Boy, I tell you, I, I Dallas has put up a fight in the second half. Give them credit. But um, Golden State's locking this up tonight. They're locking this up. Now, some of you may say, Larry, don't be. Alan Hahn, the Reaper, the Grim Reaper, like he used to be when he worked nights. He lost that when he went to the afternoons with Bart Scott, you know. He's not a Reaper anymore. I don't know what happened. Maybe it's the change of time. But he used to just be, oh. He would he would be curse of death if you had a team winning. And he, he put his mouth on him, over. Done. Forget about it. See ya. <laughs> but... Uh, Man, threes, unbelievable. They are so good. They really are. And they really haven't played their best yet. Isn't that scary? I mean, I still remember getting them being down by, what, 50 at one point in these playoffs? <sighs> Set back to the phones, 1-800-919-3776. Hey, Michael in Long Island, you're next on 98.7. Hi, how are you, Larry? I love the show. Thanks, Mike. Uh, the reason why I called was I heard the last caller for the Rangers say that the Islander fans, you know, uh, love to smear it in each other's face. And I hang out with a bunch of guys who, you know, were half Islander fans, half Ranger fans, and we all, like, support each other whenever our team is not uh, not in the playoffs because we're all from New York. and. Mm-hmm. So much so where some of my buddies have actually uh, had the uh, Stanley Cup in their basement. Like, that's how, you know, hockey is in their blood. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest Ranger fans actually skated with the Islanders. So we always go out and support each other and go to the bar and watch the games together. And, you know, we're just all New York. You know what, Michael? Thanks for the phone call. That's rare. 
because I know how tough that rivalry is between the Rangers and now the fans. <laughs> and for you guys to be going out watching games and supporting each other, that's unusual. It's a little unusual. It's nice. I'm glad you guys have that relationship, that your friendship does not get in the way of your fandom. But that's a little unusual. I got to tell you, that's a little unusual. So as Golden State gets ready to uh, sit back and wait to see who they face in the NBA Finals that you can hear right here on 98.7 ESPN beginning June 2nd, that will be game one of the finals. I'm very curious as to which one of these teams in the East is going to come out and uh, face Golden State. I'm very curious. You look at you look at Miami and you look at Boston. Now, Boston has the better offensive. Boston plays very good. De- both teams play really good defense. Okay, they both play really good defense. Really do. Boston has the more depth offensively. Miami just, and you look at them, you saw how they played last night, or if you heard the game here on 98-7. I mean, where was, where, where was Jimmy Buckets? I mean, he, he was nowhere to be found in that game. And they struggled and struggled. And what's crazy is, and I saw Golden State do it tonight, and I know it happens in the playoffs, but it's really limited depending on the talent of the teams. But it is just amazing how both Boston and Miami can go on these streaks where they just can't buy a bucket. I mean, they just can't do anything. They can't score. They can't do anything. Both teams are like that. And, but Boston... Last night was one of the, I guess, the few times where you saw Tatum and Brown really play well together and give you the scoring together and play off each other. And so both of them, and both of them had tough first halves. And Tatum, Tatum's hurt. You, you could tell. I mean, look, everybody's, everybody's got something. Everybody's got some kind of injury injury right now. I mean, you can't play the whole season this late in the season and not have and not and, and expect that you're totally healthy. That, that's rare. So Tatum, you can see, is not at his best. And Jimmy Butler is not at his best, too. He's got some injuries. And I'm very curious to see if, uh, you know, Tyler Hero is going to be able to go. They need him desperately if they want to have a chance to win tomorrow night against Boston. They need them. They need another score. They got to get another score. I mean, Lowry is still struggling. He's not the player he was. Lowry's still, you know, still trying to get himself together, coming back from injury. Uh, There's a bunch of guys on that team, you know, that just aren't, aren't up to where they're supposed to be, you know? So uh, I'm very curious to see how this game is going to go tomorrow night. I would expect that uh, knowing Miami, knowing how well coached they are, knowing that uh, Eric Eric Spolstra is going to find a way to get them going, find a way to scheme some things, to make it a little tougher for Boston, to do what they do, I know it's going to happen. So I think it's going to be a, a really, really close game. 
Uh, I it would be good because up until last night, at least one team had a twenty, sometimes a thirty point lead in the series. So at least last night it was a competitive series, at least. So it's going to be very curious to see how this turns out. I expect, though, that Boston's going to win this and they're going to face Golden State. And that's going to be an interesting series. But I tell you, I know Golden State turns the ball over, but Boston really, when they play Golden State, they've got to find a way to cut down on the turnovers because this Golden State team really makes you pay when you turn the ball over. And they will make you pay with threes. And they are a better three-point shooting team than they than Boston is facing in Miami. So they don't have to worry about it. And there's more depth in scoring from the bench to the starters with this squad. So um, it should be interesting uh, finals. should be interesting finals. I, I just tell you, Miami needs it, – it, they're the number one seed. And it just looks like every game is a fight for them. Now, defensively, they are outstanding. Do a really good job defensively. Really good. But they just struggle to score. They just do. They really do. And when you struggle to score and you face a team like a Boston, even the Golden State, you got to really slow it down and play really physical and try to keep it where teams don't push the basketball. And when Boston pushes the tempo and pushes the pace, uh, they're a different team. There's no question about it. They are a different team. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh, NBA Finals. I really am to see just how, just how things are going to go, and to see, uh, you know, who's going to be there to face Golden State, of course, and to see how it's going to turn out, and then get ready because after that we'll have the Stanley Cup Finals, and then we'll soon we'll be just focused in on baseball. And we'll be in June, and we'll start to get, you know, really get a sense of where, you know, the local teams are going to be. Are they going to be able to hang where they are? Are they going to be able to continue the success? Will they be able to hold on with all the injuries? And will other teams in the divisions get high? I mean, as good as both local teams have been, baseball-wise, as good as both the Mets and Yankees have been, both in first place, there's losing streaks coming. <laughs> now, the question is going to be, are they talented enough to limit the length of the losing streaks? Right? Are they talented enough to just have, let's say, a four, a four, maybe five-game losing streak as opposed to a seven, eight, or nine-game losing streak? That's going to be the question. And that depends on health. That depends on depth. That depends on talent. And I think both general managers have done a nice job in adding some depth to their teams. So uh, the injury bug is always, listen, health is always a contributing factor. And a little bit of luck helps you as well. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 98.7 ESPN. As we do every night on the show, we take you to the ballpark. The Mets are off. They are home tomorrow to open a series against the Philadelphia Phillies. But the Yankees were in action. This is a big weekend series for the Yankees as they face the Tampa Bay Rays. The star of the show last night, well, tonight rather, 
Nesta Cortez Jr. He was, in a word, outstanding. Here's what Aaron Boone said about this starter. I just think how, I mean, I, I should, because you're, you're right, it's been all year. I, I think how efficient he got. You know, I had to work a little bit in that first inning, and then he just dialed in from, from a command standpoint and, and kind of cruised there uh, for much of the game. Um, but I thought he was really sharp, I, I mean, obviously, and uh, just, just another really great outing by him. The line on Cortez Jr. tonight, eight innings, four hits, one run. It was earned, one walk, five strikeouts, no home runs. 109 pitches, 77 for strikes. He was dominant. His, obviously, ball-to-strike ratio, outstanding. His ERA, 1.70. I'll say it again, 1.70. And as Jake the Snake mentioned, he signed a one-year, $727,500 contract with the Yankees. Uh, he deserves a raise. <laughs> hey, Aaron Boone, why did you bring him out for the ninth inning? You know, frankly, once we got the seven-run lead, I didn't want to put – I wasn't going to let him have it a, 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 a tough inning to try and get it. Um you know, I, I didn't really want to see him go up to 120 pitches or something like that. So, um, you know, after the first batter, a few pitches, I, I, I just I just didn't want to mess around with it. And, and, and that was really my decision. All right, so Nestor Cortez did come out to start the ninth, but after he gave up a leadoff hit, he was done for the night, but he was outstanding. We've talked a little bit about it because of the injuries to the Yankees, but... You look at it tonight, Miguel Andujar with a hit and an RBI. Aaron Judge had a couple of RBIs. Uh, you had uh, Carpenter, who they got today and signed him, and he became he became the DH, had a walk, contributed. Aaron Boone, let's talk about the role players and how important they've been to your success. Proud of the effort today. You know, we get in, we get to the hotel about 4 in the morning last night. Um you know, in this stretch of games that we're in and, and obviously have had some guys go down and, you know, we have a guy like Matt Carpenter, you know, land at th after 3 o'clock and get here and not in the lineup and he's in the lineup and, you know, he's he's a catalyst for us tonight. Just really proud of that effort tonight and um, a great way to start this weekend. So one of the reasons why they had to shuffle the lineup, Aaron Hicks did not play. Aaron, what happened to Aaron? Hicks was just uh, uh, last night on the plane. You know, he's thought he might need need something today, and then you know I was kind of talking like I and you know want you to play today if you can. So get here and, and go through uh, and, and see where you're at. And just felt like his hammy tightened up on him enough to to not go. So hopefully it's not something. Uh, you know, too serious, but enough to keep him out. All right, so what's the latest on DJ LeMahieu? DJ was not available, um, although it sounds like he's doing a lot better in literally the last two hours. So we'll, we'll see where we're at, you know, kind of get together again tonight and, and see where we're at in the morning. All right, so hopefully you can get uh, DJ back into that lineup. Uh, you know, he, he's missed. It's no question. He's hitting well right now for you, so you want to get him going. 
Earlier today, Aaron Boone did double duty. Yeah, he was on the Michael K show with Michael and Don. And one of the questions, and you could admit, you knew it was coming. With all the injuries that the team has had, the, well, does the sabermetrics of resting guys, does it really work as far as keeping them healthy? Well, here's what Aaron Boone and Michael Kay had in exchange. And um, I would say Aaron Boone was uh, slightly perturbed. This is a question where you might get angry at me or just if I was in front of you, slap me. But (laughs) here we go. We always joke about rest roulette. And you guys have a a very Uh stringent way to rest people. And the baseball Uh gods laugh and go, you know what? They're still going to get hurt. So when they're healthy, why don't you just play them until they get hurt? Yeah, I would slap you if you were here. That, wow. That's just—it's just such a—it's just such a—it's just that's a—I feel like that's a really lazy way at looking at it, Michael. Um, just oh, they got hurt. Uh, you know, we're trying to increase every chance of these guys being able to post whatever it is, whoever the guy is, depending on what their bandwidth is or what they're capable of, whether it's 130, whether it's 155, whether it's 145. We're putting ourselves in that best position. So it sounds like you're going to continue to rest your players, huh, Aaron Boone? Guys are going to go down. Guys are going to get hurt. The way we're do, You act like we're resting these guys a lot. These guys have all played pretty much every day especially, you know, and there's a pecking order to that. You know, guy 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 get more rest than guy 1, 2, 3, 4. So it's just, with all due respect, I think that's just a lazy way of looking at it. The guys are going to get hurt down the road. We're giving ourselves the best chance that these guys can post regularly. Speaking of players, available and not available, Josh Donaldson has not been available. He was with the uh, COVID protocol and he does have, he's appealing his one game suspension from major league baseball. So that will, he'll find out that answer after he is eligible to come back from his, his COVID situation. So Aaron Boone was asked about navigating that Josh Donaldson situation. I still believe, um, you know, Josh did not have, you know, any kind of brutal intentions in this at all. You know, I think it's two competitors kind of going at it and needling. And obviously we've had some recent history. So I want to acknowledge that, but also understand that, you know, there's certain places I think you you don't want to swim in, especially when, when it is, you know, situations where you have beef. So want to, want to support our guy and, you know, feel like, you know, this is not something comes from any any inkling of hate or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I thought the statement that he put out was very thoughtful. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is something we can all grow from, move on from, and, and, you know, be better for. I mean, when you have listened to Aaron Boone over his tenure as the Yankee manager, and he's a guy that backs his players, but for him to say that that's something while acknowledging that he didn't believe it came from a racist place, that that's something that Josh Donaldson should not, he should not have gone there. That says a lot. It does. It says a lot. One of the other issues this season, even though the Yankees have won, we would agree, I think Yankee fans would agree with me, that the Rawlis Chapman has not exactly been the lights out guy. 
You know, issues with the fastball, issues with velocity, issues with location. Clay Holmes has pitched well. Michael King until recently has pitched well. So the question for Aaron Boone, when Chapman returns from the Achilles, is he your closer? Is Chapman going to be your closer when he comes back? He'll be, you know, he'll be in that mix. You know, I, I think, you know, even, even, you know, obviously what Clay has done has been remarkable and a really special start to the season. Um, and, and he was getting some closing opportunities already. Um, you know, so it, it'll be kind of a nightly thing as far as, you know, uh, even when Chappie was down the other night, I brought Clay in in the eighth inning because I thought it was the biggest spot in the game, and 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 their toughest hitters, especially their toughest right-handed hitters. So, kind of depends on the lineup we're facing, where we are in the course of the game. Yeah, in other words, no. <laughs> He's not committing to Chapman as the closer, and he shouldn't. I mean, when you've got a guy like Holmes, the way Holmes has pitched, when you've got somebody like Michael King, the ways he's pitched. And Boone is right. Sometimes your guys come in, sometimes the, the big inning to save the game might be the seventh inning. Might be a basis low situation in the seventh inning. Did you have to bring your guy in to make sure you get that out and move on? So, uh, once again, look, Chapman is the closer. But the role of the closer and when the closer is involved becomes the question, right? And if Chapman continues to struggle, they're going to have to make a decision, right? Hopefully, hopefully, if you're a Yankee fan, he'll get back on the right track. That's what you'd like to see. But that's what happened in up between the Yankees and the Rays. So we wrap up our trip to the ballpark here on 98.7 ESPN and ESPN's New York Tonight. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.